Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Have a great show lined up for you guys today as we're continuing our 2019 theme and moving closer and closer to the NFL Draft. As we talked about in the last episode, we went over, Dennis and I went over our top 12, no, top 10 quarterbacks in this draft this last year uh coming into this year if you guys would like to listen to that go ahead and check it out today we are moving on to the running back position dennis will be joining me as we'll be getting his you'll get a little bit of insight from me but we have a special guest we are bringing on today he just dropped his brand new rookie running back rankings. So we're going to get a little insight to those as well and talk about that uh, really quick uh, because I really want to focus on the running backs with them. I just want to talk about the Aaron Rodgers story that dropped earlier today. So... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. A lot of talk about Aaron Rodgers and not getting along with Mike McCarthy and really kind of making both of them look bad in certain lights. Just want to touch on really quick that I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think that a lot of this is not necessarily... I mean, it's new information. None of us knew kind of some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes, but there was a lot of rumors of it. We've heard a lot of Green Bay Packers come out here recently, Packers of the past, and kind of talk about the way that Aaron Rodgers did not respect Mike McCarthy, and it seems like that kind of went all the way back to when he first kind of became the head coach of the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers obviously being the quarterback. Uh, it just does not seem like those two ever really got along. Um, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal for Rodgers' side of things. I mean, as in for fantasy for us, I don't think it's going to hinder anybody. I think 
think it might affect Devontae Adams a little bit, uh, just based on the fact that maybe he'll try and get the rookie wide receivers involved. But that's something that a lot of people have talked about for years, is that you have to develop that trust with Aaron Rodgers for him to go to you. Devontae Adams was the same way. If you go back and look at Devontae Adams in his first couple years in Green Bay, he was not doing at all what he's doing now. He looked very much like the rookie wide receivers they had last year, um, just struggled. But then once he was able to gain Aaron Rodgers' trust, he became a fantasy stud. So I do think that uh, every all in all, everything is not really going to change much for Green Bay. I mean, again, we'll see what the offense Matt LaFleur is going to run. We already know that he's looking to possibly use a dual backfield with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So <clears throat> right now, till, too early to tell if this is really going to be that big of an issue. But I personally do not think that it is. Uh, so I wanted to address that right here at the top of the episode. With that being said, let's go ahead now. And bring Dennis and our special guest in. And let's talk about this very highly debated and scrutinized and overanalyzed and possibly even underanalyzed running back class. And again, as I was saying, as always, we have Dennis here. We will introduce him first. Dennis, what's going on? I am just having the most fantastic Thursday. I am so looking forward to this discussion with our fantastic guests that we have. Uh, I know a lot of people are down on these running backs, and uh, in some cases rightfully so, but it's going to be an exciting show, and I can't wait. Yeah, I know. I'm one of those people who thinks it's going to be a very good running back class, and I'm looking forward to the discussion that you two are going to be having because uh, I know you've already come out and said that you disagree with some of this person's ranks, and I'm I'm interested to see where. So we are bringing on today Mr. Andrew Harbaugh. He is at Mandrew NFL on Twitter. He writes for the, Andrew. <laughs> he he writes for Dynasty HH Pod. He also writes for the Scorecrow. He is a co-host on the Debbie Manual, a show we've talked about many a times, and Debbie Happy Hour. He is an NFL draft analyst for the score the Scorecrow. He was actually at the Reese's Senior Bowl, and I believe went down and actually con- con- my goodness participated in stuff with the Combine this year as well with Matt Miller, NFL draft scout, and all this stuff. So. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. What is going on? Uh, talking about football and especially the draft today. I had a fun day with the family. Got two shows lined up for today, so you guys will get me fresh, and the other ones will get me at hopefully still a good pace, but you guys will get the best out of me. That's good. It's always better to be first and second with stuff like this. Uh, uh, just uh, real quick is uh, what I like to do with all of our listeners. Just kind of give us, if you don't mind, a rundown of just your history. Why did you get into fantasy football? Uh, how long have you been playing? What's some of your favorite leagues? Do you have a favorite NFL team, favorite NFL player? Yeah, no. Um, what got this all started, it's funny. I, I knew the anniversary of when it started based off of my wedding anniversary because I was on my way home from dinner with my wife and she wanted to drive normally i do the driving but it was late and i just didn't feel like it and came across uh tim nfl tweeted out how dynasty happy hour was looking for writers and i've always been trying to get uh into writing in some sort for a while it was just for anything i could write about and then i talked to tyler gunther and uh ten thousand questions later and dwight giving me the rookie hazing i on with them and then from there it's just really grown and blossomed into something really more than i expected um i always tell a joke that in july i took a screenshot because i had 69 followers and my immature self thought that was hilarious Mm -hmm. and now i'm up 
getting towards uh, 1,200. So it's just, it's insane that that many people care about what I have to say. And just that my voice is getting across to so many platforms of people. Yeah, it is very cool. And I know we obviously share the same favorite NFL team, but uh, who is who is your favorite football team? Oh, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. All, and that was before this offseason. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say I know anybody who follows me knows we've been interacting all throughout the season before Baker even started. I mean, we've only kind of obviously come into communication through the Back Row Fantasy Show, a show we are both uh, friends with uh, some of the hosts on there, uh, Jeremy Barker, Aaron Arms. And uh, we've been on there and done some stuff in there with Dennis as well. And uh, that's how we've kind of come into contact on Twitter. And I obviously can avouch that you have not, you're not just a, a bandwagoner, which is very interesting to say that we actually have to worry about that now as a Browns Isn't that fan. so nice, though? It is. Yesterday... Warm-up's not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Yesterday, I was recording Debbie Happy Hour, and I was talking about fits for the Colts, and I said, they're in that top echelon for the AFC, contending with teams with the Patriots, Chiefs, Colts, and I said, oh, Dwight, I said, I just got to pause for a minute and just really smile and say this. I said, and the Browns. (laughs) So, I I became a fan because Brady Quinn got drafted to the Browns. He was my favorite college player. I didn't have a favorite team. And from there, it's just kind of stuck. So uh, all the way back to that first 10-6 and six season through 0-16, I've been a fan the whole time. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I always felt bad for Brady Quinn. I felt like he did not get a fair shake in Cleveland. I know a lot of people who think that as well. Uh, just really bad teams back then, unfortunately. And uh, yeah. he really didn't have anybody to throw the ball to. I think Brady Quinn could have been a lot better than what he showed us in Cleveland. Oh, for sure. I think it was that's one of those classic landing spots. And that we're going to talk about running backs, and that's going to be the case for a lot of them. So yeah, exactly. I know that all too well. Well, that is a perfect transition for us. Thank you. Making my job easier as well. You're talking <laughs> about the 2019 running backs. So this has been a hotly debated class. Uh, anybody who looks at this stuff on Twitter, a lot of people think that these guys are being overvalued, undervalued. This class is deep. This class is not deep. There's a lot of elite players. There's no elite players. I am really interested to hear what you two have to say on these guys. So we are going to do what we usually do here. We're going to give our top 12 running backs. We're going to start with Andrew because he is our guest. Give us his one, your breakdown, any thoughts you have on him, and then we'll move to Dennis and myself, and we'll see where we all disagree and uh, just kind of have a fun little chat about it. So, Andrew, who is your 1-1 at running back? I hate to take what everyone else seems to be doing for the most part, but it's got to be Josh Jacobs from Alabama. Um his physical running style with his pass catching ability. And then you add that in with, he's only had 299 touches in his career. I mean, he's going to be coming to the NFL super fresh. So you got to love that about running back. Uh, next you got, I had miles Sanders past David Montgomery there towards the end. Montgomery's the better Montgomery's going to be three. So I guess I'll just talk about them both as a comparison. The difference maker for me, and that's like I just talked about with Jacob, is Miles Sanders is going to come in a lot more fresh. Montgomery was the bell cow back in Iowa and was part of a lot of their success between him and Hakeem Butler. So I just like Sanders a little bit more just because if he needs to get that heavy workload, he'll be able to take it and handle it. All being not saying, or not saying that Montgomery can't, but he'll just have a little bit of fresher legs. From there, Devin Singletary, Travion Williams from Florida Atlantic and Texas A&M, uh, Two kind of similar guys. That Singletary wasn't what he was a year ago this past year, which seems to be a case for a lot of players whenever they start to work on what they need to do to go to the next level. 
didn't have the crazy stats, but that doesn't mean he's not the same type of prospect he was. Daryl Henderson and his 8.9 yards per carry, which is still insane for me to even think about. Justice Hill. Darwin Thompson, uh, he's number eight for me, running back out of Utah State. Smaller guy, five foot eight, 200, but he's just explosive both in special teams, a passing game, running. I mean, there's a couple times where you'd think someone like that's not going to run between the tackles, but he's so dang little and fast that there's times where he's already at the second level and the play just started. So that was something I really liked about him. Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, running back mate from Alabama. Uh, get him, again, just like with Jacobs, is going to come in a little bit more fresh. Alabama didn't run down running backs like they did with Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram this past couple years. So that's going to be nice. Rodney Anderson at 10. Uh, he would he should be top three probably, but between the neck and the knees and just everything with running backs, that scares me a little bit. Uh, and then to round out my 12, I got Mike Weber from Ohio State, who was overshadowed by J.K. Dobbins, the freshman and sophomore sensation, who everyone's looking forward to next year. And then to round it out, Benny Snell from Kentucky. Very nice. Well, I mean, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> That's great. Go ahead, make your jokes, Mr. Jokey. Joke maker. But let me hit you with some knowledge. I, I tend to, I, I'm going more for, you know, when it comes to splitting hairs, I'm looking for evidence that they can do it, not necessarily projection that they might be able to do it. And so that led me, that, that I've had Montgomery as my one uh, pretty much throughout the run-up to the draft here. I, I understand the point about he's got more miles on his feet, So, on, but what he's shown is he can do it and he can handle the workload. He caught over 70 passes in college, uh, so he, he can play all three downs. Athletically, uh, he tested exactly what we expected. There was no surprises. But when you watch him run, he's got a nice little jump cut. He can, he can get out. Um, is he going to break off a 75-yarder? Probably not, but he's very capable of busting, you know, 10, 20, 30 yards at a time, keeping the, keeping things going. He he doesn't have to come off the field. So right. I, I'm sticking with Montgomery. Um, number two is Jacobs for me, I, and I struggled a little bit between him and Sanders. Uh, kind of went back and forth between the two of them. I, I, I think they're... Sanders maybe is a little more elusive than Jacobs. They both can can play all three downs. I'm just, you know, my concern with Jacobs is I, I, I get the, oh, there's lots of studs at Alabama. At some point, the talent has to take over, and he, he should have gotten more than 300 touches. You know, I think I, my concern with him is that he's going to end up being uh, one of these big finesse pass catching backs like uh, TJ Yeldon. So uh, that that's sort of my my hesitation with Jacobs. Sanders comes in at three. I like what he did. You know, the difference between Jacobs and Sanders really is Sanders was behind Saquon Barkley. Jacobs was behind Damian Harris and a, a cast of other potentially average NFL backs. So I, I could see, well, Saquon is one of the best running backs to come out in the past five, maybe 10 years. I don't think Damian Harris is going to fall into that. So I feel like if, if Jacobs, you know, Jacobs should have gotten more 
touches when he was at Alabama. But I do have Sanders uh, at three. Uh, I like Daryl Henderson. He's my four. You know, he shows uh, some toughness coming in at 208 pounds. He, he's pretty elusive. I, I get the, you know, him and Singletary both have that, that big yards per carry, and a lot of it is due to their offensive lines. I just like Henderson to be able to, uh, you know, hold up better in the NFL and, and to produce. Rodney Anderson is my five. Um, <clears throat> There's a there's a strong part of me that feels if uh, he hadn't had that neck injury or if he hadn't had the ACL last year or knee which whatever what I forget exactly what last year's injury was that he would be the the 101 this year oh, um, easily you know you can make he, he's he's a very talented back and so there's there's a big part of me that sits at 108 109 110 in a lot of drafts going I'm going to be perfectly happy to grab Rodney Anderson right there. Yep. Um I have James Williams of Washington State at my number 6. Uh you know so that's five nine and, <laughs> No, no that's it's actually not. That comes to to two from now. <laughs> okay. Uh you know Williams caught 83 passes last year. So for me, I look at it as, you know, he's got that Naheem Hines, Tariq Cohen kind of role tailor-made for him. You know, if he goes somewhere where he's not going to get an opportunity, you know, post-draft, he's going to get pushed down. But if he goes somewhere, you know, if Jacksonville, for instance, drafts him, I could see him going into Jacksonville and catching 75 passes next year or 65 passes like Hines did this year in Indianapolis. Uh, number seven, I do have Damian Harris. He's kind of that steady guy out of Alabama. He held off Josh Jacobs and Najee Harris, and and uh, he just put up consistent numbers. I don't think he's flashy. He isn't going to make you go wild, but at the end of the day, you're going to look up and be like, wow, that was a really, you know, he put up some uh, RB2 numbers uh, and didn't really even notice, kind of a plug-and-play guy. Um Here's 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 the difference when I looked at you know deeper into your rankings. Uh, I have Bryce Love at number eight. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> get off! Get out of the car! It's go time! You and me. Look, mommy, the rhino's getting too close to the car. Him too way to get out. He's just a little guy. That's it, big boy. I'm gonna wail on you. You're gonna regret volunteering for this job, Porky. Hey, boys and girls, it's Papa Smurf. You don't want none of me. Think it through. Come on, give me your best shot. I'll give you a free one. Let me have it. That's it? Come on, you can do better than that, can't you? Captain Limpress, try again. Hey, everybody, is there a window open? I feel a draft. Huh? Ah. If I wanted to kiss, I would have called your mother. Come on. Ah. That was a good one. You know, I think... A lot of people, he played dinged up last year, and it really showed in his agility. But, man, his 2017 tape was electric. He can we run the ball. He can run the ball. And, you know, he's a little on the smaller side, and I, I feel like he's really being sold short. Definitely somebody I'm going to be looking to snag late in the second, third round of rookie drafts. Um, depends on where he goes, but I think I, I think he's really being uh, undersold. Number nine, I got Benny Snell coming in. 
he kind of falls into that uh, David Montgomery profile where, you know, he's a grinder. He's going to get you four yards, 3.9 to 4.1 yards, uh, be able to stay out there. Uh, he's a better pass. He's, he's kind of like if Jordan Howard could actually catch passes is sort of what I think of him. And 10 is Divine Ozigbo. I, I like his ability uh, to catch the ball. You know, I hear the stories about how he kind of got in his own head and maybe lacked a little bit of dedication to the craft. And then when he when he put his mind to it last year, it, it really kind of showed. I saw a stat somewhere where he had lined up a, at wide receiver uh, a, a pretty high percentage of time last year. So I think he's got the ability to really do some things. And when you watch him run, he's he's. He's powerful and elusive, uh, if not fast. Uh, coming in at 11, uh, I kind of have about four or five guys right here in the, the next kind of group together. So I'm just going to take the first two. Uh, I got Raquel Armstead out of Temple. Uh, another big back, 5'11", 220. Um, showed a little bit of juice. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. And then Bruce Anderson at number 12. I was watching some Bruce Anderson film yesterday and, uh, you know, he just kind of shows real good pass receiving chops. Um, maybe not as powerful as I would have thought at 5'11", 210. Um, but he did, he, he, He's a very solid back, and I think he's somebody that could really surprise uh, going forward. So I, I like Bruce Anderson. I don't know uh, where you watch your film at, but uh, what's on draft? Uh, Mark Jarvis does a nice, just a fantastic job oh, yeah. with his with his write ups, and he posts all the, all this video. And Mark takes, and he doesn't post highlights. He takes whole games, and he'll cut up every play that the person played in the entire game so you get to see them going out on passes you get to see him picking up blitzes you get to see him uh you know running out for a swing pass that goes down the field to a wide receiver uh to see what do they actually you know how are they actually playing it's not just highlights so i think that's really a great resource i saw him and jesse frisch are going to be teaming up next year with some draft stuff i'm excited for that Yeah, for 2020 i saw that yeah, so that's my top 12. All right, interesting. I feel like all three of us are going to be extremely different here, and I think that's what makes uh, makes this class very interesting. So I had just posted uh, kind of my first uh, first set of rankings a couple weeks ago and then tagged a bunch of people with it on Twitter. My rankings as of now, my number one is Miles Sanders. I, I just, I've been in love with him since back in week eight of last year, the college football season, when I first put out some of my articles about the rookie running backs. I just think he has the most upside in this class uh, from everything I've seen. I know a lot of people want to keep talking about the fact that he's only had the one-year production, but when you're sitting behind a god like Saquon Barkley, you're just not going to put up that much production. He did everything he could possibly show me in this one year. Uh, he's flashed just all kinds of brilliance out there. So he is my one, uh, you know, right behind him and very close is David Montgomery. I've, I've flip-flopped those two back and forth all season long uh, just because, as you, you touched on, Dennis, David Montgomery is exactly what we thought he was, and he's shown everything we need to see as well. He doesn't have the explosiveness that Sanders has, uh, but I think he's a very good runner. Back, he's that guy who, if you need four yards, he's going to get you 4.4 and take a couple of defenders with him those last couple of yards. And, and I do like that running style with him. Number three for me 
is uh, Darrell. Is it Darrell or Daryl? Because I hear everybody say it differently, and I always feel like I'm the one who says it wrong all the time. Uh, is it Darrell or Daryl Henderson? I always say Daryl. Daryl? Okay. I say Daryl, too, okay, but well, that could be my whiteness. No, I'm going to say Daryl. I, I, like Tyrod and Tyron. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't know who's right and wrong, so I'm always like saying which one. Okay, but he's my third. Um, I think he's an extremely intriguing prospect coming in this year. Again, averaged 8.9 yards the last two years. And I thought, you know, one year is kind of uh, – <sighs> I would say it could have been an outlier. Uh, you don't know exactly if that's really what he's going to show you. But then when he comes in his junior year and does the same thing, and you know defenses are keying in on him because he's really all that Memphis had, and he was still able to do it, I think speaks even more to the fact that he is a very good back. Then at number four for me is Josh Jacobs. Um, and I'm just not, in all honesty, he might get lowered even more for me. I just... Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, Dennis knows all about my Ronald Jones takes, so I don't know if I'm going to be right on Josh Jacobs, but I feel like a lot of people are overvaluing him. I just, what something Dennis touched on has really kind of gotten into my head here lately, and I haven't been able to let it go. And is it, I don't understand why it took so long for him to replace Damian Harris or take over as the number one for Damian Harris. Uh, he didn't show a lot of his pro day. Now, again, I've had him low anyways before the pro day, but I kind of feel like he showed a little bit of explosiveness. And just because he's Alabama's running back, he's getting propped up because of it in some of those games. I'm just not sure he's quite as good as all these people want him to be. We see so many people comparing him to Alvin Kamara, and I think that that hype has really taken over, and everybody's expecting him to be Alvin Kamara. Kamara and I don't think that he is number five for me is Rodney Anderson uh everything you two both touched on I think he again had he not torn that ACL he was the one one in this class no doubt about it he was you know in the, he was the beginning of this year was a Heisman hopeful until he tore his ACL in that second game like that's how good he was we all forget about that and uh he's someone that I hope I hope that everybody continues to rate him extremely low because if a lot of people are going to end up taking him as the tenth running back off the board, that means someone like me can snag him in the middle of the second or low end, low end, low back end of the second rounds, and I'll love that. I'd love to be able to get him that late in the second round because uh, I think he's going to be a stud at the next level. Obviously, you know, all based on health. Number six for me is Travion Williams out of Texas A&M. I like what he does. I think he's very good. Uh, had a very productive freshman year. Uh, kind of struggled a sophomore year, but I think most of that was due to the ankle injury. Um, really kind of bounced back this year. Got a lot of a lot of speed. Very good size, and I think he can do very good re- uh, receiving out of the backfield. Number seven for me is Justice Hill. Uh, I've just he looked really good this year. Obviously, he gets, I think, I don't know about you two, and we'll, we'll talk about these guys obviously here in a minute, but uh, I feel like a lot of people are kind of comparing him and Travion Williams together. I think Justice Hill, I think he could end up being a little bit better, but I think he's going to be better, a better receiver than runner in the NFL, I think mostly due to his size. Uh, number eight for me is Devin Singletary. Uh, I like what I've seen out of Singletary. Uh, the combine did worry me a little bit, just the fact that he didn't show out as well as I thought he would. Uh, but I think he's as someone who he's got some flaws and questions, but I think uh, he still has a chance to be an elite talent. He was extremely productive in college. You know, some people are going to say, well, he played at FAU. He didn't have a lot of uh, really good competition. I, I don't see that being a big deal in some of the runs that I saw. He doesn't have the home run speed, but he does, uh, you know, he struggles in pass protection as well, which I think is a big deal. But uh, he is a power runner. He does a good job at leveraging himself against oncoming defenders, and I like that when I saw that on tape. Um, shoot, I just lost my list, guys. Uh, number nine, Damian Harris out of Alabama. Uh, for me, 
coming into 2018, he was he was the guy. Obviously, he showed up, looked good for most of the season, and then Josh Jacobs came and took over for him again. I don't not very high on Josh Jacobs, so that does make me worried a little bit about Damian Harris. The fact that Josh Jacobs was able to come in and take the job from him uh, makes me think that he's not quite as good as we all hoped he'd be either. I actually think he's a lot closer to Mark Ingram. Uh, if you want to compare Alabama backs, I think that he could do a very good job out of the receiving game. I don't think he's going to be that great of a runner either, uh, but I do think he could play a little bit like what Mark Ingram does going to the right offense. Number 10 for me is Mike Weber out of Ohio State. Uh, love Weber. I thought, uh, again, something you touched on there, Andrew, he got overshadowed by J.K. Dobbins, who is phenomenal. I've been getting all kinds of 2020 first-round picks, so I can hopefully snag him next year in a lot of drafts that I'm in. Uh, I think he's getting wildly over overvalued because of how good Dobbins has been the past couple years. Uh, he showed out in the combine, showed how fast he could be. Uh, I like him going uh, into the next level. Number 11 for me is Bryce Love out of Stanford. Again, based solely on some of the stuff you were saying, Dennis, just everything he showed us two years ago that just didn't go away. Uh, he was a lot of talk about him struggling with injuries again this year, and that is a big deal for him. He struggled with injuries almost his entire college career. But again, he ran for 2,000 yards last year, two years ago, with 19 touchdowns. Was Yeah, 19 touchdowns. So that's not just a fluke. Like He is a very good player, but... The biggest thing for him, I think, is going to be obviously landing spot. I doubt we see him much of, if any, this year in the NFL recovering from that ACL injury, especially because it happened so late in the year. And then number 12 for me is Benny Snell. Um, Benny Snell, I think, is just... um, He's just an average back. I think he's going to he's going to get you good yards. He's a strong physical runner. Uh, didn't seem does not seem to wear down regardless of the workload that he has. He continually works his legs and keeps moving, uh, but he just doesn't have burst, doesn't have speed. So I don't see him. He's not beating anybody to the goal line or anything like that. He's not. He doesn't have that home run speed. Uh, but he's someone who can. He's going to get you what the offensive line blocks, and I think that that's good for. That's something that in this class, unfortunately, I think is is one of the better running backs. So he's in my top twelve. Obviously, all of us are very different on our rankings. Dennis, what was your biggest issue with Andrews? I felt like, uh, I, you know, I think he had Bryce Love at like 19 or 20 or something way down there. And uh, like I said when I was talking about him, I feel like Bryce Love is uh, a quality back that had to play through some nagging injuries and then he got injured and so his recency bias has sort of made everybody forget just how dynamic he was in 2017 and so i think he's good he should be up there higher okay yeah, i got bryce love at 30 <laughs> oh yeah i knew it was way down there my goodness why why are you so low on him my thing is looking at a draft perspective and then looking at it as from a fantasy perspective Love last year was talked about as a third or fourth round running back the, with what he was last year. And he came back, which you could argue based on how the year went was a mistake. Um, but then he comes back. Yes, he played injured. But now you've got a, a torn ACL on top of what was projected a third or fourth round value for teams. And, I mean, he – I'm not saying he'll go undrafted, but he'll probably be a mid – a day three pick. When it comes to the draft, him, it's going to be a lot about um, landing spot. I've joked everywhere. It's the landing spot draft for so many players. And my thing with Love is, yeah, he ran for 2,000 yards, but Toby Gerhardt had a lot of production coming out of Stanford. And Toby Gerhardt, we know what he was. But at the same time, Christian McCaffrey, you can make the same argument for either one. 
But my thing with Love is if I'm going to bet on a running back, I'm going to bet on one that is a little bit more fresh. And you can make the argument with Jacobs. He had a backfield full of five-star recruits at Alabama. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be tough for him to outshine players potentially in practice and at the college level and say what you want as far as NFL projections. But as far as the case of Bryce Love, I just – I would rather invest in a running back that has less soft tissue issues and ACL issues. Oh, it's a deep burn. Oh, it's so deep. Ah. Then, and just everything with love, his size and just, I'm not sold on him, obviously, like you two are. But that's just me personally. I'm not saying we're wrong or I'm right or anything like that. I mean, who knows? He could get a late day three pick and then he could come out and be Philip Lindsay this coming year. So who's to say it won't happen, but it's just for me, from my perspective, if I'm going to invest a draft pick on a guy, I mean, I wouldn't even draft Bryce Love in a rookie draft for folks, me personally, depending on where he goes. Well, I was going to say, I mean, if you agree with me, you probably are on the wrong side. Cause then this is the guy who was propping up Ronald Jones last year. So, but, uh, so <laughs> I was going to ask about Bryce Love. So even if say he drops into, cause I would imagine he is. So you're saying that, uh, you know, most rookie drafts that I'm in go four or five rounds. So if he's on the board in the fourth round or fifth round, yeah. you still wouldn't take a shot at him? I think there's other guys that are better flyers to take. Okay. Wow. Interesting. All right. Specifically yeah. in the wide receivers and even the oh, tight ends. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a fair point. Yeah, wide receiver is going to be interesting. So there's a couple questions I'm gonna, I want to ask you guys about this class, uh, a little bit different than some of the stuff we kind of have talked about. Uh, real quick, before we get to some of the questions we've talked about, how many people, or how many people, how many running backs do you both have that you think could be elite out of your top rankings? Like, for instance, me, my top five. I think all of those could be elite running backs uh, in the NFL. Uh, if you guys don't mind, kind of give a rundown too for the offer. Like, again, me, it was Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Daryl Henderson, Josh Jacobs, and Rodney Anderson. I don't see anyone else out of those five that could be elite, like, uh, uh, first three down starters. Do you guys have the same list, less than that, more than that? Who do you have, Andrew? Yeah, I got uh, Jacob Sanders, Montgomery, and Anderson if he's healthy. Okay. I mean, we talked about it. Anderson could have been the 101 in fantasy drafts this year if he would have been healthy and not had all the issues. But yeah. um, if he's healthy, I mean, obviously he's going to be worth that. But if, especially if I'm an NFL team and I'm looking for like a bell cow, if I got one of those four guys, I'd totally be happy with it. Okay. Dennis? Well, when you, when you talk elite, I mean, so I look at it and I think, well, who in this class – is going to give me uh, two years of, or the first two years of Jordan Howard or Better's career. You know, he was what a fifth or sixth round pick. Yeah. Came in and his first two years, you know, he wasn't a breakaway guy, but he was solid. So if I'm looking at that, definitely those top five, I think, are going to be at least that good or better. Jacobs is the one who gives me the most pause because. Uh, I feel like he's got the widest range of outcomes. He he could be top eight in the NFL, and he could be an RB four. It's probably feels seems drastic, but I mean he's got a he. You know, Miles Sanders was more highly rated than Sa- Saquon Barkley, I believe. That didn't stop Barkley from taking that job and completely eliminating uh, any competition. So. I don't know that I buy the argument, well, Alabama has a bunch of five-star backs because, it, you know, he, he's got to, at some point, you've just got to be better than everybody else. 
and and he just didn't consistently do that. So I think there's that that opportunity for him to to just not be able you know not be able to put it together uh, at the NFL level. But if I'm looking at other backs that I think could come in and have that Jordan Howard start to their career, you know, I could see Damian Harris. I could see Benny Snell uh, landing. If they land in an opportunity where they're going to get 50 to 60 percent of the carries, you know, they can put up 1,000, 1,100 yards uh, for a team. Uh, I don't know if that's elite. It's probably top 15 running back, top 12 running back. I think Howard was like RB4 and RB9 or RB12, something, his first two years. Uh, I'd have to look that up. But, you know, I can see Daryl Henderson coming in and being the next Devonta Freeman. If he, he, if he can go into a role like that and get 60% of the carries where he gets some three-down work, but he's got somebody uh, supporting him, another back that's going to get, because I think him and Freeman and Coleman weren't necessarily uh, identical backs, but they could both play either role. And so I feel like Henderson, if he goes to some uh, to a team that's going to employ him like that, he could easily put up you know top ten, top twelve RB numbers uh, for a number of years if he can stay healthy. Something I want to add with my Alabama comment too, I, and this is me saying Nick Saban's arguably the greatest college football coach ever this is the same coaching staff that couldn't decide between starting Tua or Jalen and it's also the same one that has Jerry Judy and Bugs going on that going through their uh what's the word I'm looking for carousel essentially of reps so that's just the thing for me when you got that many good guys you got to kind of show them I know when you're Alabama I, I just basically acted like they're just playing with everybody but they really are up until the playoff but that's just my thing with Alabama is you got to keep in mind the coaching staff and the way they work things. Same with James Williams and all of his catches. In a Mike Leach offense, your running back is going to get that many catches. So it's not saying it's a system thing pro- to project because I think the whole smaller quarterback, system quarterbacks and all that, I, I don't believe in all of that. But I think at the same time, as far as production now, we got to take it into account where a lot of these colleges are bringing in top-level talent every year. I mean, Georgia brought in – had Jake Fromm, and they still brought in Justin Fields, and they were still working him in. So it's just something to keep in mind. No, I agree with you, uh, Andrew. That was actually something I was going to ask you, Dennis, is I do think you have to take some of that into consideration, although you know I'm on your side on this, but just playing devil's advocate, because uh, I do think that Nick Saban is one of those coaches where he's going to allow the guys that have already produced for him and been there and done that, if that makes sense, kind of given a longer leash, hence the Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts thing. I mean, nobody, everybody going into the year prior to that were trying to figure out why Tua wasn't playing yet. And then we saw what he did in the national championship game, and everybody was asking, well, why did he not come in before halftime? Why did he not start the game? And then they even went into this year, although everybody knew that Tua, or at least everybody thought they knew Tua was going to be the starter, it was still supposedly a quote-unquote competition. So that might, do you you buy into that at all possibly being the reason why Josh Jacobs did not get more of a run until later in the year? Oh, it's certainly possible, but I mean... There also could have been the perception after watching uh, to a practice that he wasn't ready or he wasn't the guy uh, because they get to see them every day. And, you know, Nick Saban isn't going to put his team in a position to lose to make a recruit happy. Okay, right. So if, if somebody, if Josh Jacobs 
was clearly that much better than everybody else, gave him the best the best chance to win, you know, then Jacobs would have, would have rushed for a thousand yards last year. So I'm not saying I'm not saying he's not a, a good back. I'm not saying he can't be really good in the NFL. Uh, I'm saying that you know, based on sort of looking at what they've done, you know, that's what gives me pause about Josh Jacobs. I think he's got a lot of. I think he's a talented guy. Yeah, but I do have concerns. He kind of falls into that receiving role uh, because he's good at it, and he doesn't. You know, I don't know if uh, you know. I think Alvin Kamara sort of made that something that that could be really good. So maybe he's the next Alvin Kamara, you know, so he only gets, you know, 125, 150 carries, but he catches 60 or 70 passes. You know, maybe that's the route. Maybe he's not the, the bruiser that uh, we want to make him at 220 pounds. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's a bruiser at all. And, and that's why maybe that's why a lot of people are comparing, comparing him to Alvin Kamara uh, based on the fact that they do think he's going to be more of a receiving back like that in the NFL. I said, I, I personally don't see the comparison, but there are a lot of people who are comparing those two. Uh, my next question that I wanted to ask you two was, so I know obviously Andrew, yours is one, one, uh, your one, one is Josh Jacobs and, uh, Dennis, yours is David Montgomery. If where in the draft for rookie fantasy drafts would you feel comfortable drafting your one one? Uh, I mean, it depends. I mean, obviously, super flex quarterback is going to be inflated value, but um, I think Jacobs and Sanders and Montgomery, I would probably take over any of the top three receivers. So, I mean, I I would probably go Jacobs would be my one one for a rookie draft. Okay. Yeah, I'm the same. If I'm sitting there and I have the 101, I wouldn't hesitate to take Montgomery. You know, we've seen historically that run or wide receivers take time to develop. You know, the the model now is draft the running backs early, trade for the wide receivers after the first off season or in the first off season. Okay. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I just didn't know. I know some people who are very high on this wide receiver class, and they would much prefer to take you know four or five of the wide receivers first. Uh, I'm someone who drafts heavy running backs when when I can in any rookie drafts because I believe in getting that uh, production further quicker. You're going to get the production quicker most of the time, so that that's kind of the way I go. I'd be the same way. If I had one three, uh, it would be very hard for me to pass Akeem Butler there because he is my favorite wide receiver in this class, but I'd probably take Miles Sanders. I would not take Josh Jacobs, but I would take Miles Sanders or possibly David Montgomery over him. So, if you guys had to stake your entire rep- reputation on one player being a Pro Bowl player for years to come out of your top 12 who would it be andrew then dennis yeah i think i'll make dennis a little bit happier with this i i think it's david montgomery just because we've seen what he can do even with the heavy workload um you talked about it earlier his elusiveness while he not have that breakaway speed led the ncaa and missed tackles last two years i believe so for him to be able to do that, obviously, he's got something special with his feet and his vision. So I think if I was going to bet on somebody, it'd be David Montgomery. Yeah, Montgomery's my guy as well. I, you know, I'm a big fan of, I guess, consistency. And, and I think Montgomery provides that uh, more so over uh, Jacobs. And right now, even Sanders, uh, he's got the longer track record. So I, I would be uh, – I'm, I'm going to put my money on, on – uh, Montgomery. Okay. 
Uh, for me, it would be from me it'd be Miles Sanders. That, that's why he's my one one. I understand the the Montgomery talk again because he has been the most consistent. But I do the one thing that worries me a little bit in Montgomery is I feel like we're moving away from that kind of NFL where you've got that grinder running back that he is. Uh, Miles Sanders, I think, who can do it all in the receiving. I know he didn't do much in the receiving game this past year. I do think that he will be very good receiving wise in the NFL. Uh, so he's my guy there that I think could be a Pro Bowler for years to come. Uh, same thing if you guys had to stake your reputation on one player being a bust that is in your top 12 who would it be for me it's Rodney Anderson just because of the injuries if obviously if his legs don't hold up that's not going to be his doing but if you invest too highly of a pick on him and anything happens injury wise you may get um a little bit upset by that I mean we're seeing it now with Todd Gurley and I'm not trying to start a debate on his knee which seems to be the hottest topic and fantasy offseason chatter but He's already getting the arthritis, and Gurley's not old. It's just his knee getting fixed and everything. So it's interesting to see how these running backs now that are going to get big workloads in the NFL see how they react to it. I agree with with that. As as uh, you know, unfortunate as it is, you know, when I look at my top twelve, pretty much six through twelve all have a lot of questions, and so I'm not necessarily betting on them to be great. So the, they could easily be, uh, be bust. So then it comes down to the, you know, the top five. Uh, I'm, I, I believe Henderson or Anderson's uh, injury history, but I guess I'm going to go with, uh, you know, Daryl Henderson is somebody that I could see busting. Sometimes those smaller guys, you know, when you get to the NFL and all of the linemen are 280 and 300, and they're all running four sevens, four eights, four nines instead of the uh, you know 260 pound guys in college running five ones. Um, you might not necessarily be able to hold up uh, as well as you used to, or people can run you down a little bit, a little better than uh, you were used to in college. So Henderson is somebody that I could see Boston that's in my top five. Okay, yeah, for me, uh, both of mine are, are both injury-prone players, and that's Rodney Anderson and Bryce Love. Obviously, uh, you know, me and Dennis have Bryce Love much higher than you do, Andrew, but uh, both of them, again, based solely on that, I think both could be very good at the next level, but due to their injury history and the past and everything, I, those two are the ones that worry me the most. If they're not going to be able to stay on the field, obviously we won't be able to see uh, the production that we saw in college and what we hope will translate to the NFL. All right, so give me a running back outside your guys' top 12 that you think could end up being a top 12 running back next year. For me, it's I'm going to kind of go back to Senior Bowl a little bit, but a guy we talked about a little bit here too, uh, Bruce Anderson out of North Dakota State. Like you talked about um, his pass-catching ability. is something you really see a lot. He'll go out for a swing pass, and we saw it a lot in practice down in Mobile. That was like one of the first things where – Running the ball, he didn't stick out as much, but then when they got into the pass-catching drills, I was with a couple guys, uh, Tyler Browning, Dalton Miller, Connor Lives, Lives say, and uh, I said to him, I said, this is what I want to see Anderson do, and this is where he's going to pop out, and then lo and behold, he did. So um, Anderson, I think, just based off of having a good senior bowl week and the way his pass-catching is, I think he projects very well, especially from a fantasy standpoint. You know, I went way down, kind of in uh, Bryce Love territory for Andrew there, and uh, I picked uh, tra- Travis Homer. Uh, you know, I-, I think down in Miami, you know, he's he's a guy with good speed and good agility. Um, 
caught some passes. Well, he's not very big, 5'10", 200 pounds. He's somebody that I could see uh, moving up. If I, And again, this is one of those classes that has a lot of the the Naheem Hines pass-catching satellite backs, the Duke Johnson types. And uh, I could see uh, Homer coming in and kind of doing that Duke Johnson kind of uh, role for a team, being that third down back, got a little bit of juice and can be able to run the ball sometimes. So I could see, you know, if he lands in a spot where he's going to be able to get the targets, uh, it's I, I could see him jumping up there. For me, I don't know how big of a stretch. Actually, I would I'd like to hear your opinion on both on this player from both of you, if you guys don't mind. Uh, for me, is Miles Gaskin. I I've loved what he did in college. I think that he is obviously more of a receiving threat. Obviously, like Naheem Hines, you just touched on. Dennis has a lot of players in this uh, draft class that are like that. Uh, but just everything he did at Washington, I thought was amazing. I thought he obviously kind of underperformed at the combine a lot of people had higher hopes for him than what he showed but I've, I've been big on him for a while now and I think he's gonna be good I thought he should have came out last year kind of like I thought Bryce Love should have come out last year as well but they both returned for their senior years uh, and Miles Gaskin struggled with uh, injuries throughout this entire year really uh, but I think he's someone who could really show out at the next level in a Nia Himes type role uh, do either one of you like him or no just uh, based on what you've seen I mean, I like Gaskin's game, but again, I mean, uh, to kind of hit back to what we were talking about, he has over a thousand touches in just his college career alone. Mm-hmm. And I know for some running backs and stuff like that, that's something that his clock is not fully turned as everybody else is, is going to be in this draft class. So talent-wise, I mean, I like him as a runner. I like him as a receiver. Um, looking at his stats now. Six catches his freshman year, but then after that, 19, 19, 21. Um, when you have Jake Browning throwing the ball to you, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, to say the least. But as far as Gaskins, talent wise, I, I like him. Um, my biggest thing on him is just uh, over a thousand touches is mind boggling to me. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I concur. You know, he's, he's a good back. You know, he might be best served to. Um, get on a team and uh, sort of maybe be on the practice squad or or ride the deep bench and, and not get a bunch of touches this year and sort of let his body heal up. Uh, you know, uh, you're right. At uh, 1,010 touches uh, in his career, uh, and that doesn't include if uh, you know. I don't know if he did any punt or kick returning, but I mean, he had what 1,300, 1,300, 1,300 almost 1300 yards rushing in his four years at Washington. So he's got some, he's, he's put some miles on those tires. I, I think he's somebody that could come in and catch some passes. You know, I, I, it would be really kind of cool to maybe see somebody put uh, Gaskin and Henderson sort of in that uh, Freeman Coleman kind of tandem and see what the two of them could do. Well, for me, Gaskin, and I'm, I'd love to hear what you guys think on this. I, I almost see him kind of like a James White in the NFL. I would love to see if he could end up in an offense that uses him the way uh, New England obviously uses White and see if uh, uh, almost like he – I imagine him kind of being almost like a supernova, if that makes sense. Like I feel like he could burn bright and be awesome for fantasy for a couple of years and then just due to the workload on his legs just kind of completely fall off a cliff. Not somewhere he slowly fades out like he just completely – he's done after, say – three or four years. Uh, you guys agree? No? Yeah, no. I My benchmark that I always worry about, and it's just because my grandfather taught me what I knew early on about football, 
was, and he was a UCF fan before they were good, and Kevin Smith, who got drafted by the Lions to be their bell cow. I'm not saying Gaskins will be, but just to give an idea, Kevin Smith, I pulled up his stats just because I was curious to see how many touches he had, and he had 960 touches. And he really didn't pan out in Detroit because his legs were just run off in college. So I just think with Gaskin, that's my biggest concern. But I do the James White thing you talked about. I do I do see the potential for that. I think if Gaskin just bulks up just a tiny bit more, I think he could definitely fill that role out. Yeah, I mean, being used in the James White role might be something that's perfect for him because then he just plays the last four weeks of the season in the playoffs. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he'll be able to extend his career into like a five, six-year thing instead of three. All right, so who is your most overrated running back of this class? I think that's easily been discussed at this point. It's yeah. Price Love. <laughs> um, and it's just, I, he was a Heisman finalist. I mean, we talked about it the whole time now. So um, I just, my biggest thing with him is the injuries and the touches and everything with him just is a little bit of a red flag for me. Um, stat wise, he's great. If we're going to do box score scouting for me, at least I just, some of the times I, he benefited from a great team, great offensive line that produces so much NFL talent, great coach with David Shaw and Stanford. I think if you would have thrown him in a couple different teams and a couple different spots in the country, we wouldn't be talking about Bryce Love all that much, but I'm more than happy and hope that he proves me wrong at the same time. You know, if I'm going to talk about overrated, I'm su- surprised you know there it's that analytics versus tape battle that is uh subtly going on with elijah holyfield oh that was below the belt try to keep the gloves up you know he tested terrible and he and he's clearly slow but he looks okay on tape and so the tape guys are kind of starting to come back and go yeah i know but he just he didn't look that bad when he played, he didn't look that bad. I, I think that he's kind of starting to creep back up, and I just I don't think he's going to, you know, maybe, I'll, maybe I'm wrong and maybe he doesn't get drafted and really doesn't get a shot, but I feel like somebody's going to draft him and, and think, oh, well, uh, you know, his tape didn't look that bad, and, you know, I just, think it's, I just don't think he's necessarily a, a good back. Well, first off, sir, I, I do not like the fact that you try to besmirch the good name of Elijah Holyfield on this podcast. Uh, you know that we are practically best friends. I've Okay, name your favorite dinosaur. Velociraptor. All right. If you were a chick, who's the one guy you would sleep with? John, John Samos. Samos. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Reached out to him multiple times. He has not reached back, but I know that it's coming. Uh, I think that he is a very good player. I, I do think I'm one of those people. Now, I, we've already had this discussion before, obviously, Dennis, on that you have to find that happy medium between watching tape and analytics. Uh, I just, I'm, I am one of those people that you just talked about, though, so I'm a little, a little hurt because uh, he did look good on the tape, and I thought that uh, he looked much better than what he showed at the combine. Um, mine is Josh Jacobs for everything I've discussed. There's no point really dragging that up. What I'd like to ask Andrew is your thoughts on Elijah Holyfield because he's been a hot debate on this podcast for quite a while now because I had him as an elite running back earlier in the year then slowly kind of pushed him off to he's right outside my top 10. He's, he's sitting at a 14 for me right now, right behind Divine. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to butcher his last name, so I'm not even going to say it. But we talked about him earlier because Dennis has him in his top 12. Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on Elijah Holyfield? Yeah, I mean, I got Holyfield at my 14 um, so before the really cruddy pro day oh, and uh, combine. I had him at 10. 
So I just dropped him four spots. I, I, I like his tape. I think he's a good physical runner. Obviously, if you've seen his arms and you want to say otherwise to his face, you're more than welcome to, but I wouldn't, yeah. nor his dad. So, you know, I'd I like think that damn ear off. <laughs> <laughs> I just think with him, yeah, it's a bit of an overreaction at times from the community. Um, we talked about earlier my connection with Matt Miller. Obviously, I respect his opinion, but he's saying he's hearing on his podcast this week that they're talking about Holyfield going undrafted, which I just... Wow. I can't even wrap my head around based off of what I saw on tape. But, I mean, pro day and combine is a big thing for teams. For fantasy players, it may not be as much, depending on who you ask. Um, at the same time, I don't understand all the analytics. I'm not Jordan McNamara by any means. But I do trust the tape, and I do trust Elijah Holyfield based on that. You know, I don't have any issue telling him I don't think he's that good because I'm quite positive even at 54 I can outrun him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, see, I'm right there with you, Andrew. I just – I get that he – my question because we had a Jared Wackerly of FS Statistics on talking about some combine stuff after the fact. And, and my question on that is, is it possible that he just had a bad day? Like, is it just possible he just, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe he ate some bad sushi the night before and was having some stomach issues, or something was going on to cause him to run that slow, because it just doesn't, what we saw at the Combine and Pro Day is not at all what I've seen on tape, and that's what I'm confused about, but I'm right there with you. Um, I've actually seen a lot of that stuff on Twitter as well, uh, what you were just talking about, him possibly going undrafted, and that's just insane to me. I just cannot imagine that he doesn't get drafted by somebody. Yeah, I agree. And that's the thing, too. Like, the pro day is supposed to be, we talked about it before we started recording, Whiteside ran a fantastic 40. And your pro day, you're supposed to have better numbers. You're supposed to be pampered, and this is a controlled environment for you, and you're supposed to look good. Um, I was watching an old clip from NFL Network they posted about the 2006 draft, and Mike Mayock's talking about how well Vince Young threw in his pro day. I'm like, well, of course he's going to throw well in his pro day. And you would expect Holyfield to run a better 40 time at his pro day, and he just didn't. I, I He's not going to win a race, but I'll tell you what, if I need him at the goal line, I'm going to trust him. Yeah. So that's just my thought on Holyfield. No, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. All right, so who is the most underrated running back of this class? For me, it's Darwin Thompson um, from Utah State. Just, I mean, they had a very good, a sneaky good year. Cracked into the top twenty-five as a team uh, with Thompson himself. Like I talked about, five foot eight, two hundred pounds, very explosive. He's used all over the field as a weapon and pass the game um, in the backfield and in, in special teams. So I think he's going to make one team uh, give the team a dynamic weapon, and if he can work his way into some solid carries then i think he can definitely be a fantasy steal for some people obviously he's in my top 10 so that's how i feel about him well it's it's bryce love for me you know again i i kind of go back to you talk about holyfield's tape but bryce loves tape in in uh 17 i think is more shows more about who he is as a runner than his 2018 tape um he did catch 49 passes, so he, he can uh, play in that that role. I, I feel like that, much like a lot of guys in this class, though, it's going to be, there's going to be some landing spot dependency. Uh, you know, like you said, Andrew, this is the, the draft of landing spots. So I, I like Bryce Love to be able to come in and 
get an opportunity and uh, do some good stuff. You know, he he only had uh, only had 570 carries and 50 receptions. So, you know, he's not he's not uh, wore down like Miles Gaskin. For me, mine is uh, Travion Williams. I don't see a lot of people talking about him, and he is by far one of my favorite running backs in this class. I think that he is very versatile. I think that he could do a lot at the NFL level, and I don't understand why a lot of people aren't talking about him. I know, Andrew, you've got him ranked, uh, I believe it's at five for your ranking. So I was I was actually pretty interested to see that because I know a lot of people, at least that I've seen, have him at, at ten or lower, and I just think that he is that. He's right there. I have him at six in mine, and I think that he could be easily one of the best backs in this class what, with what he can do receiving-wise and running the ball. Um, I had asked something earlier when I was doing mine. I never actually gave you guys a chance to uh, answer. Uh, do you guys think that him and Justice Hill are very comparable, or do you think one is better than the other? I was to say I'm not. I'm not a big big Justice Hill guy, so. Even even though I don't have Travion in my top twelve, uh, I definitely think he's more talented than Justice Hill. Why do you hate Travion Williams and Justice Hill? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, obviously, I like both of them. Like they're in my top ten. I like Williams more than Hill, obviously. But I mean, they can kind of be the same player at times. I think Justice Hill and You'll love this, Dennis, I'm sure. I think Justice Hill is what everyone wants Bryce Love to be, which is why I'm so much higher on him. Okay. So does that mean you're going to go back and look at some more tape on Justice Hill there, Dennis? Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually going to go look at more tape of Travion Williams because I feel like he's probably a guy I should have higher. Ah, gotcha. He probably, you know, I probably should have him over Armstead maybe. Um you know, with Williams, I kind of got hung up a lot on, um, at the end of the season, he had that one really long run, and and I feel like I, I've kind of got caught up in the, the highlights for him, and I didn't really look deep enough. I got to take a little closer look at him. So probably my post-draft rankings will probably have Williams moving up some. If you want to see what Williams can be, like on his perfect day, obviously, um, there's plenty of games if you want to go and watch like Alabama or something where it's a bad day, but just to see what he can be at his top potential, I believe it's the Auburn game Okay. where I was laughing that he threw more pass, completed more passes in that game than Jarrett Stidham did. So he was just very versatile in that game. He kind of had a CJ Spiller type of effect for Texas A&M in that game. Okay. College CJ Spiller, not right, Buffalo right. CJ Spiller. <laughs> All right, so based on the running backs that we all have in our top 12 here, I, I want to get a little bit of an over-under question here before we close out the podcast. And how many do you think will get drafted in the first two rounds of the NFL draft? Since we have 12, I'm just going to go with the straight six. Six running backs. Do you think over or under that many gets drafted in the first and second round of the NFL draft? Can I mortgage my house and submit for the under on this, and you'll cash it in for me, Matt? I will, Absolutely. Okay. Now, I just, and Dennis will allude to it, I just don't know if anyone's going to go in the first. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. I think with Philadelphia getting Jordan Howard, I think that was the one where everyone's kind of like, well, they could go running back because they don't have a lot of holes anywhere. Um, And they still could. I mean, they don't have J.H.I.E. back, and they got Jordan Howard. You could do a committee there. But I think the only other place you could maybe argue a running back going at like a reasonable spot is 
Baltimore, but I mean, they just signed Mark Ingram. So it's tough. I don't know who's going to do that. Uh, I I don't think Kansas City will go for a running back because they have so many picks in the second and third round. I think they'll just wait. Obviously, we knew what they did with when they had John Dorsey and they got Kareem Hunt late. So I think that's kind of where the trend where the NFL is going is you can wait on a running back because depending on system and offensive line, you can make anybody look good at times. Not saying anybody's in the straight like you can't take somebody on the back end of it like a Demaryius Crockett and throw him in. But right. um, no, I would definitely take the under. I think it's just because the way the position's valued in the NFL, it's going to be under. Yeah, I, I agree. My my note on the show sheet here was it feels like there might not even be a first round running back. I, I think when I look at my rankings, so if if I'm a if my rankings are quote, quote unquote the rankings. There definitely isn't because I don't think that anybody is going to spend a first-round pick on David Montgomery. NFL teams draft on potential. Is Oakland going to maybe at you know 27? Will they consider Josh Jacobs? Probably. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of evaluators that that look at the class and you know th- their job is to project how they're going to go in the NFL and. Uh, clearly there's going to be a lot of people that think Jacobs uh, is going to have a really good NFL career. But it wouldn't surprise me a bit to see somebody like Oakland trade back to the beginning of the second to, so they can get, you know, a, another late pick and maybe be able to still get Jacobs, you know, at 32, 33. Well, they pick at 35, so they don't really even have to trade back. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not a stellar class, uh, of running backs. Um, actually it's not really a great class of receivers or quarterbacks either. So it's kind of a, uh, um, you know, there's, there's a couple people in each position. I think wide receivers are probably the best out of the three, um, tight ends, obviously it's a pretty top heavy class there, but as far as running backs, uh, you know, if I was going to set the over under for uh, picks in, uh, picks in the first round running backs, I'd set it at probably one and a half, and I'd probably set it at three three and a half for the first two rounds. Man, see, if I would have put it anywhere else, I probably would have taken. If I'd put it at five, I would have probably might have actually taken the over. I think there's a lot more teams that need running backs than than we think about. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a day two run on some running backs if a couple start going. I mean, obviously the Jets don't need one because they just got Le'Veon Bell. They were someone on it. But the Bills, the Dolphins, the Ravens don't need one anymore. I, I think the Colts do because I'm not a Marlon Mack fan. I think the Colts need a running back. The Texans Shut need a running back. Shut your mouth. <laughs> the, the Jaguars, I think, might end up taking at least one, if not two, possibly running backs in this draft this year. Uh, the Raiders, obviously, the Chiefs need one. The Eagles don't need one anymore. The Redskins, Cowboys, obviously, Packers, Vikings, 
Bears. Bears, I think, are going to end up taking someone. I don't think Mike Davis is the answer there with Tariq Cohen, and I don't think Tariq Cohen's the answer there either. Um, Carolina, I could see possibly taking someone to help C.J. McCaffrey a little bit. Tampa Bay, with the fact that Ronald Jones seems to be falling on his face everywhere he goes, I think they could take a running back. And, and um, well, that's pretty much it. The 49ers, Rams, everybody else is set in the West. So I, I would not be surprised if there's a pretty big day two run. Maybe if I would add the third round in there to make it a little bit different because it does seem like a lot of people are projecting the third round to be a heavy uh, running back kind of run here. So interesting. To third see round, happens. I would have said the over for what over. It's okay, okay. Well, then let yeah. me let me just add the third round in there, but I'll change it. So the first three rounds, let's go with twelve altogether. How many do you think over? Well, that's probably way too much of a reach. How about ten? Yeah, ten over under. Do you think it's still under? Do you think it finally goes over there? I think at ten, it's still under. Still under. Okay. I think it's yeah, it's a little under. I'd probably say that's in like the six to eight range. Maybe. Eight. Well, not even. I'd probably say six. Six is a solid number in the first three rounds. Okay. Um, obviously Montgomery Jacobs, uh, Anderson will probably be end of day three unless he goes to or day three round three unless he falls to day three, which would be a tremendous value, I think. But. Yeah. No, it's tough to say. It just depends on how teams view these running backs. I mean, we all love Ozigbo, but he wasn't even invited to the combine. Right. So, who's to say? Who knows what will happen? That's the, it's the best reality show ever. That's what mm-hmm. I can tell my wife is the lead up to this. It's the best reality show because you get to see guys' dreams come true. You see them fall a little bit, but go to better situations. And that's the beauty of the draft. All right, so one more question before we uh, we close this out here. Who do you think, um, I don't, maybe it'll be just who exactly you guys have as your 1-1, but if you had to guess, who would be the one running back you think goes off the board first? Probably Jacobs, just because of the hype and um, him being everywhere. But, I mean, that's probably a flip of the coin between him and Montgomery, if I were betting. So, if you placed a bet on either one of those, I'd be comfortable. Yeah, I... Like I was saying earlier, is, uh, the NFL is projecting potential, and you see guys get drafted, uh, get second chances, third chances, because of potential. And so I feel like they know what they're going to get with David Montgomery. So for them, it's evaluating where am I going to be able to get Montgomery? Where in the second? You know, will will he fall to the third when should I go up and get him? Versus Jacobs, who's a lot more of an unknown. Um, and while Montgomery's a good pass catcher, Jacobs is a better pass catcher. And so they may look at him and go, well, he's built like a three-down back, even though he never really per- performed or carried the load by himself. He's built like he can handle it, and he's a great pass catcher. So I, I probably would say Jacobs is going to go first off the board. Okay. I'm going to go a little outside the box here. I think it's going to end up being Sanders or Henderson. That's just my opinion. I, yeah. I don't. I think one of those two are going to go first. I just think Jacobs and uh, Montgomery are both going to be pushed down a little bit. Jacobs based on not that much production and Montgomery based on, even though he's very consistent, like I said, I don't think uh, the NFL is kind of moving away from the running style that he has. Uh, so I would not be surprised if possibly Sanders or maybe Henderson or one of those guys comes off the board first. Not saying that they should, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if one of them came off first. Um, and I lied. I do want to ask one more question. And then I promise, guys, we're going to close this out. How many running backs, I want to keep it at six, do you expect to go off the board in rookie 
fantasy drafts. Do you think it is six, under, over, or under? You cut out what position did you say? Uh, the running backs. I'm sorry. If, so first round of our rookie drafts, how many do you expect? How many running backs over under six <sighs> do you think will go off the board in most rookie drafts? Just just straight, uh, no, not super flex or anything like that. Just your standard PPR draft with, with 12, uh, 12 teams. I mean, there's probably so Fan Hawkinson will probably go in first round in most. You throw in Hakeem Butler, Harry, uh, Brown probably, and Metcalf. That takes up six spots in a normal 12-team draft. I'd probably say six. Okay. Six or seven. Yeah, I think, you know, that's a good number, six. People talk about, you know, the, the, the philosophy is draft the running backs, trade for the wide receivers after their first season. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm looking at it from, the people we play in leagues with, uh, we play with a bunch of sharks, and so it ends up being uh, everybody kind of acting like they're professionals. You know, we've got some guys that, you know, uh, especially in the DQL league, we got some wide receiver lovers yeah. that, uh, you know, they could have five first-round picks, and they're going to probably take five wide receivers. Um, so I, I think five, if you set the over-under at six for running backs – um, I'd probably sit that bet out. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Loved getting your insight here on the top kind of tier of this running back class. Uh, before we cut out of here, let all of our listeners know where they, again, they can find you on Twitter, everybody that you write for and everything that you have going on so that we can all kind of catch up and, and get all our followers to kind of jump behind you as well. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I'm doing a lot of my draft analyst stuff right now for the Scorecrow. Um, all of my rookie fantasy projections and rankings will all will fluctuate depending on what happens, obviously. And you'll see all that on the Dynasty Happy Hour. Uh, got, obviously, the podcast Devi Happy Hour and Devi Owner's Manual. We're actually doing a joint show with Dynasty Owner's Manual today uh, to do a rookie mock. So we, you'll answer the running back question, how many would go in the first round then, maybe. So... Um, other than that, I'm pretty available on Twitter and all over the place, much to my wife's joy and happiness with <laughs> that app and how many times she's threatened to get rid of it. So now it's, I'm very easy to find on Twitter at NFL or at Mandrew NFL draft. Yeah. And you're a very good follow. We, we've gone back and forth on a lot of Brown stuff and everything. And I do see you much like Dennis interacting with the community a whole lot. Again, that's something I wish I could be more active on. I, I try and then something always happens and I'm in, able, not able to do it. Uh, but you two are two of the most active members in the community. So, uh, definitely give Andrew a follow. And obviously most everybody already, at least that listens to this follows Dennis. But Dennis, where can we find you obviously on Twitter and, and where are all your writings and everything at? Well, I am at culture underscore coach on Twitter, um, or you can search fantasy football roundtable. Uh, I'm there as well. Uh, my, I write for dynastynerds.com. I have a new article coming out. I released, uh, the down in dynasty ideal rookie running backs last week. And the next one coming out is going to be the ideal rookie wide receiver landing spots. Uh, dynasty down in dynasty column will be coming out. All right. Well, again, thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us, and I look forward to talking to you again here soon. And, Dennis, as always, it's been a pleasure. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone! 
for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can.